Hey there, Task Talks listeners. Kia here. Registration is open now for the 30th annual TASP Fall Convention in Sugarland, Texas, November 3rd through the 5th. You can find more information about the convention at the TASP website, txasp.org, or look for a link in the show notes. We hope to see you there. Welcome back to the Task Talks podcast. We have a very special episode for you guys today. Um, joining me today, I got Dr. Jennifer Baker and Kia Sala, but we have a very special guest, Ashley Arnold herself, her voice, I guess, in the in the waves, in the sound waves. How are you doing, Ashley? I am good. I am good. Happy to be back on the Task Talks podcast. I think at this point now, you've been on it the most because we had Legends and then there was a legislation update and now this one. And I think there was another one thrown in there too. I'm going to be honest with you. At this point, you, you're just another, you're an auxiliary member of us. So. Wow. Well, don't I get a special gift or something? No, you like get to add it to your revolving list of positions you've held on the task board. <laughs> so. Are you on, you're on the, the five timers club? Yeah, oh. now that you've made it five times. Like the five times. Yeah, we'll get, get you a, a jacket. <laughs> Got it. She's actually seriously thinking about doing that. Uh, yeah. But we wanted to bring Ashley on to kind of just give an update on some of the things going on in our field um, and specifically more towards, you know, name change and things like that. So, I mean, this is not meant to be a full long episode, but we do feel like it's worth it to keep our we'll say congregation up to date on things that are happening. So um, Ashley, would you like to kind of just speak to some of the things that we've got in the works right now? Yes. So it is actually quite an exciting time um, to talk about the use of the title school psychologist. So some of our listeners may be aware that TASP has been actively advocating for this title change for many, many, many moons. Um, We have had even proposed bills in our Texas legislature over the last couple of sessions, almost every session actually, we've introduced a bill or somehow added it as an amendment um, and it has never passed. Um, so we, we, listeners may recall back in June, TSBEP had a special meeting about the mental health shortage and how they could kind of tackle that and what solutions and role does TSBEP have uh, in addressing that. And one of the issues that actually came up that was not brought up by me, but Chair Belamowitz did bring it up, was the use of the title. Um, And so since they opened that door, I made the executive decision on the spot that TASP would just go barging right through that door. So um, at the subsequent follow-up meeting in August, um, we, TASP, um, proposed some language um, to make it a rule change that LSSPs um, could actually use the title of school psychologist, as does 48 other states. It is just (laughs) us and Arkansas um, that does not get to use that lovely title. So um, the chair of TSBP is actually a public member um, for our listeners, TSBEP is required to have not just licensees, but also public members. And for the first time, the chair happens to be a public member. It has always been a licensed psychologist. And he, you know, just expressed what most of our parents do of is actually the title of LSSP is actually confusing. The title of school psychologist is not confusing. So, um, 
and as our listeners know, um, like I said in my speech at um, the August meeting, you know, it's Groundhog Day over and over again. When you explain it to folks, what does an LSSP stand for? What is it? Um, if they can even get that sequence of letters correct is also a struggle um, as well. We're frequently confused with SLPs um, or LSPPs or just any sort of random. LPSP. That's right. Any sort of like random dyslexic combination of letters um, there. So um, that really, I think, resonated with the board now. Um, most of the current members of TSBEP have not been on for many years. Um, and so this was kind of a new concept. And as listeners heard, um, a lot of folks, it was mostly the public members on the board didn't know exactly what an LSSP actually does. Um, and so I explained that. And so then they voted on it and they passed it, not just passed it, but passed it unanimously um, for it to move forward in the process. So the next step, so listeners, simmer down. You cannot call yourself a school psychologist just yet. Um, it is like- Wait, so I got all these business cards printed out for nothing? Damn it. <laughs> so, so hang, on, hang on to those Vista print for free business cards. Um, you know, you might could use them in the future, but don't, don't be handing those out just yet. Yeah. So um, as we all know, several years ago, we created more bureaucracy in Texas. And so we created the BHEC, um, Behavioral Health Executive Council. They are the umbrella agency for- TSBEP, um, marriage and family therapists, social workers, and licensed professional counselors. So the rule process goes that now that TSBEP has approved it, it gets sent up to BHEC. Um, unfortunately, with the, the, the time and kind of correlation of meetings, it didn't make the August 23rd BHEC meeting, um, but it will be on the October 25th BHEC meeting agenda. And if BHEC approves it, then listeners pay attention because this is where we're going to need you. Um, it will be published in the Texas Register and then it will be open for public comment um, for 30 days. Um, so we're anticipating, you know, mid November ish to mid December ish that it would be published, which, you know, is right in the thick of the holiday season for us. Um, but we will definitely. <laughs> send out communication about that, but we do need people to weigh in with public comments. And then it will go back to TSBEP for final vote um, at their next meeting, which if everything goes right would be January 12th. And then it has to go back to BHEC for final adoption once again, um, which could be as early as January 31st, which that is what we were all hoping if all the pieces fall in line as they should, um, the earliest that you could start handing out your free Vista print business cards would be on January the 31st. Um, the problem's gonna be, no, BHEC and TSBEP don't have any control over when things get published in the Texas Register. It could take them a week, it could take them six weeks, it could take them six months. Um, and so that's kind of the roadblock in this. And then it has to go to TSBEP at their next scheduled meeting and then BHEC. And so if we have a delay, the problem is gonna be January 31st will not be the day to rejoice. Instead, it will be May 
23rd um, because BHAC meets January 31st and they don't meet again until May 23rd. Um, so we're fingers crossed um, end of January, uh, you can start calling yourself a school psychologist, but it could be as late as the end of the school year. So well, there you if go. That, if that doesn't scream streamlining, then I don't know what does. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, that was my big takeaway from this. Yeah. Ashley, so a couple of questions. So first off, just to clarify, because I want to make sure my understanding, you said that the, you know, previously in legislative sessions, we've had this, this come up and it hasn't passed. Has it ever actually come up for a vote in any of those? Because my understanding was that we simply, it, it didn't make it out of committees, didn't go to votes. Uh, but was there ever a time when it was voted on and just did failed to pass? It has not made it out of committee ever. Um, that mm -hmm. is a stumbling block. Um, yeah. And that is out of just, um, we've gone through the House sometimes, we've gone through the Senate sometimes, um, and it's never made it out of either committee and it's never actually been voted mm -hmm. on. So. Gotcha. So this is a pretty big, pretty big step that we're, awesome. we're making yeah. some potential it, headway. Yeah. And it's interesting because we were always previously told that the only way to change it would be legislatively um, by changing the occupations code section 501 for those yeah. playing by the rule book um and then after this conversation in june with chair blamowitz and just kind of talking that you know why don't we try to make a rule change um now the one caveat to all of this is tsbep also requested an attorney general opinion about this um so it, it's not the attorney general himself it is his <laughs> office um that weighs in <laughs> Um, it's an intern, and, uh, right? <laughs> probably, probably. It's um, very possible. Very possible. So TSBEP is is um, because we've never done it through the rulemaking process. Everyone has thought it had to go through the legislative process. Um, they've just asked for an attorney general opinion confirming that it can be done through the rulemaking process. Um, we would hope the attorney general's office is in our favor because they have ruled in our favor before. Um, I could reference you back to our uh, episode about the history of the NCSP, um, where the attorney general, current governor, had to office, had to rule in at that time. So we're not unfamiliar to the attorney general office. So I, I would hope that would be favorable. But worst case scenario, we could call ourselves, it could go through the rulemaking process, say January 31st, and then the attorney general could come back in February or March and be like, Actually, you cannot do that. So we could have a very short period of time that we could call ourselves that and then it could be taken away. So we're going to hand so out all those business cards very quickly in the window. Quickly. And then, <laughs> and then take them back. Yeah, and then be like, actually, back. actually, never mind. Never mind. Those, back. Back. <laughs> those, those can't be out in the public. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> no. And then, so then the other thing I think from this current round, you know, you mentioned the public comment period and, and wanting to make sure that people are aware of that so we can have a pretty strong presence during that time because that will be critical. Uh, what are what are some of the things to tell people? Like, you know, if we have, because I know other people who are not school psychologists to support this, but it seems like one of the big things is the shortage. I don't know if you know this or noticed this, but there's a shortage what? in our field. I know, wild, what? right? Uh, and so how... Do we envision this helping to address the shortage? Is there something this does to further that cause? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, when we ask for public comment, I think what we'd like for people to do instead of just having a form letter and saying you support it is giving a personal example, you know, that you've experienced maybe with a family, you know, that they went out and spent thousands of dollars on this evaluation and it doesn't meet the school guidelines. And then there was a person that in the school could have done it for free and it could have instantly met the school guidelines and the child could have gotten services sooner. So we've all had instances like that. And to answer your question about the shortage, I think it does. I think part of our issue is we have an identity issue. People don't know who we are, you know? And even when, you know, I've gone into high schools and do the NASP exposure project, and I try to say, oh, we're a school psychologist, but just kidding. In Texas, yeah. we're an LSSP. <laughs> so now you've got, you know, juniors and seniors looking at you like, what? You know, um, she doesn't even know what her job is. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and as I said, you know, no one grows up to say, I want to be an OSSP when I grow up. You know, like we don't have that identity of a teacher, a doctor, a nurse. But if you have school psychologists, I think you could. And, you know, part of the issue with shortage is people often don't know that we are the mental health experts in schools and they don't know that we even exist, that we're there. Um, because when you are constantly referred to by a variety of different letters, uh, no one knows what you do, then and they don't see you um, as a valued member of giving you a seat at the table when we talk about providing comprehensive social, emotional, um, behavioral health services in our school setting. So I think it will help with the shortage. I think it makes the career known. Um, and that, you know, that's what we got to get, you know, to help solve the shortage. We need more people joining us. Um, we need more people joining us. And then it's also interesting that only 58% of current licensees actually work in the public school. So there's, there's that issue as well. Mm-hmm. As work in the public school as a school psychologist. Let me clarify right. that. Right. And then maybe people won't has not so many people have stumbled into our world and said they would right. have already aimed for it. Right. Yeah. And I think it's true. I mean, I think, you know, I think one thing I always enjoy about listening to y'all's podcast is, you know, asking people how they found the profession, you know, I found it out of a book, you know, and so, you know, we've had very few that I've actually grown up to say, I do want to be a school psychologist when I grow up, I know what it was. So I think the more we can have that versus stumbling into the field will help solve the shortage. I actually have a funny little, because they know it, Ashley, but my intern of last year actually comes from a family of school psychologists, where she is now the third school psychologist in her family. So. <laughs> I know I know one other up in Montana um, as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's see. And there's a there's the battle in our household between the BCBA and the school psychologists to influence the child to become one or the other. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have another one and then they can do both. Split the difference. They can be a team. That's fair. That's or fair. you can be both. Uh, or you can be both. Dr. Yes. Baker, come it on. It's possible. But also then nobody wins. You too can be both. <laughs> we're very competitive in our household, so we want to win-win. So. I had a question, Ashley. So um, after you spoke, um, you have this huge following on social media. You have an Ashley fan club. What is what does that feel like? <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, that was a unique experience. <laughs> um, 
Um, you know, it's also very it, unique, Ashley, that you made us that you charged us this time to come on the podcast compared to the last <laughs> times where you did it for free. So yeah, yeah, I don't recall an appearance fee yeah. coming up the last yeah. few times well, we talked you know, about I've this. Gotta, I've got to have a cut to my agent now. Fair uh, <laughs> you know, licensing fees and deals. Uh, no, I haven't. I did not charge them. She did not. She did not charge us. <laughs> Real yeah, talk. It's it, um, you know, it's. Personally, it's something that I've been advocating for and TASP as well, you know, for many years, you know, and so, you know, part of it was I'm glad the attention was brought to it. I guess that's the power of social media now versus, you know, 20 years ago when we started this or I started it. Um, but it has been a little surreal getting um, recognized by people <laughs> that I don't know. Um, but I true even today I was doing a workshop at one of our service centers and somebody come up afterwards and said they watched the video and they were appreciative. And so I do, I mean, it does mean a lot um, that folks are listening and that it made an impact um, with people so that, you know, I, I put that into my, when you're having a bad day file, you know, bring out those comments and that really um, and I don't do it for the glory. I think most people who know me, I don't seek the spotlight. Um, but it does kind of make you feel better when you've spent all this time and effort banging your head against the wall and you don't get anywhere. Um, the fact that we're finally starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel um, is, is heartwarming. And um, I do appreciate the positive comments and text and social media um, comments coming up at one of my workshops and telling me, I, I do appreciate that. So yeah. thank you. So maybe that. Like the feeling that like maybe you're not Don Quixote in this sto so this story. Yeah. Like maybe you right. actually will find right. the dragon instead yeah. of windmills. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how often the boys are on um, social media, but one of the um, Texas LSSP groups, um, <laughs> one of the moderators had put out, okay, what is the group name going to change? Is it going to be yeah. the Texas School Psychologist? Is it going to be, you know, had some different ones. And then the, the last one was Ashley's Fan Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are we're going to change the whole those Texas four uh, school site group yeah. for. Go to monkey I survey and vote, please. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but one of the other things I think about is is also, you know, in my role on the board, one of the experience I have is I get a lot of referrals about the people trying to get help with licensing, like coming into the state and trying to direct them in the right way is challenging, you know, and if so, if they want to get licensed, I just had someone recently, they emailed me. And they're like, yeah, I went to TEA and I couldn't find anything. And then someone said I needed to become like an educational diagnostician. And I'm like, I'm, okay, what are your credentials? They're like, I was a, I was an educational psychologist in California. And I was like, no, that's not what you need to do. <laughs> but what you don't know is you need to find this whole other organization and this other title of licensed specialist in school psychology. And we dug it. I sent this person all the information related to that to get them on the right path. But you know, you can't Google Texas school psychologist and get pointed in the right direction. And so um, that's yeah. another kind of piece I think about is these out-of-staters who come in and they're just like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't understand. This is ridiculous. What, what's going on? And, and the confusion and frustration there. Well, and I think that clarifies, you know, when one of the TSBEP members asked, you know, you could tell she is using the field of psychology. She's like, if you could have your way in a perfect world, what would it <laughs> Get be? Get a miracle yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it, it would actually be to change the license to just school psychologists. That's what I actually said. Um, that's not what they agreed to do. And I get that it's much more probably bureaucracy and fees and money involved to change the name of the license. 
Um, but still, I, I, I think that you're still going to have a little bit of that confusion, even if we do get to use the title. I think the fact that the license, the name of the license is going to remain LSSP, you're just going to be able to use that title. Um, you know, that helps somewhat, but in a perfect world, we would change the name of the license as it is actually reflected in other states' um, certificates. So that'll but we work on for the next 20 years after this. Yes. There, that's what y'all can work on. Today. Yeah, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it over. Ash is like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be done here. Y'all go, I'm gonna go I built this damn bridge, you cross it and deal with it. Yeah. All right. Ash is gonna be on the porch with a beer and be exactly. like, y'all go get y'all go get it figured out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that that has always been my thing. That if you want to get rid of me, uh the day we pass the title change, uh, I'm out, you know. And so yeah, deuces, I'm out. So <laughs> awesome. Well, do you, do you guys have any other questions about this stuff before we kind of switch over to our next topic real quick? No, just, just to say thank you. I mean, yeah. I know this is, you know, it's a lot of time and energy and effort and work sure. on your part, Ashley, um, and to, in all the different ways and pieces you've tried to, to make this happen. And so I appreciate your dedication in this effort. Yeah. And to think however long ago you started this, you're like, I'm so excited to go test kids. Not knowing that you spend most of your life <laughs> doing this instead. So, um, but we did want to kind of touch on the public service loan forgiveness. I told you guys I would nail it um, <laughs> thing. Um, it. But um, we kind of want to touch on that and kind of talk about the process just briefly so that our people can kind of know about it and know kind of how it works. So, um, Ashley, you said you had some stuff from NASA. Yes. You said. Yes. Well, thank, well, thank we're really just. Just to get started, just to make sure, because not all of our audience may be familiar. So public service loan forgiveness is a federal law um, administered by the Department of Education. And this is a federal requirement that if an individual who has federal loans um, completes on-time payments, uh, 120 on-time payments while working in a public service position, then they can be eligible to have the entire balance of those loans forgiven. Um, at the end of that 120 month period, which for those of you playing along at home, that is 10 years of payments and public service work. So that's what we we're talking about here. So yeah, Ashley, you want to talk about the, the NAFTA? Yeah, business? so uh, in October of 21, the Department of Ed um, announced a whole like slew of things to try to improve the public service loan forgiveness program and really give relief to more borrowers. So one, the major thing that they've done is the offering of a time-limited waiver that allows you as the borrower to count payments from all federal loan programs or, or repayment plans towards forgiveness, including, including, and this is the important part, plans and federal loan types that were previously deemed ineligible. Um, and so the waiver actually expires on October the 31st. Um, and so you have until then to consolidate your loans, certify the employment, and then apply for the public service loan forgiveness um, if you have not already done that um, as well. And so they, the Department of Ed has um, really put out a lot of resources about, um, you know, if your application was previously denied um, and, you know, correcting processing errors. Um, and so they've really, they have a lot of resources um, about that. Um, and so what I would start, where to start is um, start at the Public Service Loan Forgiveness website on the Office of Student Aid. Um, and they'll start with confirming that you're in the correct repayment plan. 
and have your loans consolidated with direct loan. And they will then certify your employment, which is a form that you have to take to your school. HR department, usually they're the ones that can help you out with that um, and give you all the forms um, that you need. So um, I do, one of the myths is that it has to be a Title I school. That is incorrect. Um, you know, anyone who works for a public school district um, is considered a qualifying employer um, mm -hmm. with that. Um, so you have until October 31st to um, look into that waiver, um, and it only applies to federal loans. Private loans cannot be consolidated to direct loans. Um, so that's the other thing. Yeah, there's a couple of catches. It's really tricky because, you know, this bill, this law was passed in 2007, um, and it was passed, you know, at the end of a presidency and you know and we had a new you know a new president new congress and then you know it takes you 10 years to be eligible so they passed it in 2007 they're like well that's 2017's problem yeah. so you know they kind of <laughs> they got to kind of just ignore things for a while and now over the years obviously as people became eligible suddenly people were getting caught in the snafus of the bureaucracy of oh your loans have to be held within this program. Oh, you had your payments had to be of this type. Oh, they have to be within here. And so like when, you know, when 2017 rolled around, that's where all these doom and gloom articles came out and people were like, oh, 99% of applicants were rejected. And the challenge there is people were not prepared. You know, neither the, the program nor the participants were, had done the necessary pre-work to, to get prepared by to having all those pieces in there. It was, it was a program that was passed and just kind of left on its own essentially and now everyone's playing catch up of okay how do we go back and fix this how do we calculate this because you know in 10 years you may have worked in three or four school districts um you may not have contacts um in there's you know you may not know who is there you may not have been able to find someone to certify your employment if you worked at a charter school for some of the time which may you may be eligible for that charter school could have closed um and who knows where their records are and so there have been a lot of challenges for p individuals in this this process and this program um, and so I think that is where one of the challenges are. And so if you can, you know, if you're getting this message in time, hopefully you're familiar with this program. Hopefully you can try and work through the um, the the process to get approved during this this time. And I would say even if you don't, don't give up. Um, hopefully, you know, you are in a situation where some of your loans are, you know, in the the right place, and you'll still have that option for forgiveness. Um, I I know I worked the program and I was able to get my loans forgiven. Um, and I was very fortunate in that, that I had discovered it early on. And so I did have a lot of those steps taken care of. Um, and so it is, you know, it is certainly possible. Um, there are a lot of good resources now on that public service loan forgiveness page to give you more information and, and help with that. And so it is a really, really good program to help out people who are, you know, have to spend a lot of money to get an advanced degree and then are often working in public service and not having salary commensurate with the, the cost of that education. And so I would highly recommend that if you have been working in schools for some time, look into this, look into it quickly, if you, if you can to beat that October deadline, but if not continue to, to kind of work through those steps, because it is real, it is viable. Um, it's just a big bureaucracy and that takes mm -hmm. some energy and some effort to effectively navigate a big bureaucracy. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if you heard about the, the name change, but yeah, bureaucracy <laughs> is very streamlined. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think, yeah, you know, you hit on a right, a good point is that, you know, part of it is many people had previously applied and were denied and, you know, and that 
And so I would say, you know, do it again. You know, yes. and I've known of several people that have previously been denied and now currently have a student loan balance mm -hmm. of zero. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, I, like I said, I was very fortunate. I found out about this program shortly after I graduated. And so I, I got the employer certification form. It had like just released, like it had just become a thing. They made it, and this was like 2011 or 12. So we're a couple of years into the program. Um, you know, having been invented, but they're like, oh yeah, here's this form, like have your employer certified it, um, sign it and send it to us. And so I did it just to get on the record. And as soon as I sent it in, they're like, oh, we actually have to move your loans. We have to adjust all this. And they made all these changes to then put me on the right track from the first time that I did my employer certification form. And then they're like, this, now you're set up, you're good to go do this once a year and you'll be good. And I did that every single year, like clockwork. I called HR. I got them to sign off the form. I sent it in when, even when I changed districts and all these pieces. And I did all that. And still the first time I submitted, they're like, yeah, you're not eligible yet. Sorry, even bro. though I'm pretty sure I know how to count to 120. Apparently yeah. I didn't. <laughs> um, but it, it, again, like you said, don't get discouraged. And, and I know it's it's hard because it's emotional and it's money and it's, it's, and it's a big deal. But again, this isn't the bureaucracy like coming after you. No one's like, man, we're going to stick it to to that guy, like sucker. Like it's it's paperwork, it's processing, it's people. Like it just a lot happens. And then in the end, I did in fact get them forgiven on my second attempt at the application. So um, just, you know, just to put that out there, like don't, don't be disheartened because, you know, it's worth it to go through the effort, uh, try to manage the emotional roller coaster that can be the process and, and, and do it. And especially for you new people, if we have anyone, you know, just graduated or just getting started in the field and they're early on, like take advantage of this program, like, you know, get started now, get in, you know, get enrolled, get your employment certificate certified. I would say do it immediately. Like I've only been working like two months, like just go have them go in and sign it and send it in just so they kind of know like, oh, this person's going to start tracking their, their months and get on the board here. Mm -hmm. um, so I would, I would say, you know, and, and keep up with the program and keep up with the details, because like I said, it's just, it's a great opportunity. And the other thing is, um, just real quick, um, is that, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, I made these payments for a year or two years, and I was told they don't count, mm -hmm. you know, um, and if it, and then if they actually, if you go through this in the waiver, and they determine that you do, did actually make more than 120 qualifying payments, they will refund those payments, yes. you know, and I do know of people that has happened to as well. Um, so again, don't be discouraged, even if you can also count to 120 and the government cannot, um, you know, it's, uh, hard. it's a, it's a triple digit number. It's big. That's a later seek. That's a lot uh, of numbers guys. And, and as we know in schools, folks can't count to 10 correctly. So, you know, counting well, to 120 is a little bit harder. So, and what it says in the paperwork too, is qualifying payments, correct. 120 qualifying payments. Yeah. And so what they consider qualifying and what you might consider qualifying might be a lot different. Oh. And so, um, I, some new tips for new people getting through it. Mm -hmm. uh, the second that you get out of school, you get a grace period for your loans. Maybe don't take that grace period. Um, so that's that's six months or however long your grace period is that you mm -hmm. can't make qualifying payments. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I would have known that because I would have just started paying something um, mm -hmm. during that time. So just keep that in mind when you do that too, because mm -hmm. those won't count mm -hmm. towards towards that. Especially, uh, yeah, and it's and it's hard to think about the long game here. But one of the things you you might want to think about too is like the payments you're making right out of grad school 
presumably and hopefully will be the lowest payments you have because it's based on your income. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, again, it doesn't change a lot well, from year to year, but presumably the first job you get out of grad school is probably your lowest paying job. Um, and so if you start making payments on that lower income and those well, count, and you can, like, yeah, you know. and you can get approved for your income. So, I mean, I was, I'll just say it. Like I was on the income contingent or income driven mm-hmm. payment plan because I wasn't making enough money to no. pay the payments that they wanted. So my, I my did first payments it. were $17 a month because I was making no money. So my friend, they were like, they looked at the size of my loans and they looked at like that and they're like, yeah, Wolf, man, that's, that's uh, 20, 20, they're like 20 bucks. <laughs> and then at the end, yeah. my last payments were not $20. My last payments no. were a lot more than $20. Um, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta try and work the rules and it's hard. Cause again, it's, it's a lot of bureaucratic stuff, but, and, and the other thing I would say is don't trust, um, not to be mean, don't trust the internet, the people of the internet, right. um, go read the actual program guidelines, go read the federal regulations and laws, because that's, what's going to drive what goes on here. Um, and cause, cause people have confusion. Like Ashley talked about earlier about the title one thing there is in the state of Texas, a Title I teacher forgiveness program. That yep. is not at all related to public service loan forgiveness, but people conflate the two all the time. So again, that's why you know people get confused. It's it's because it's complicated and it's challenging, but you really want to make sure that you you get the correct guidance and that's going to come from the federal regulations themselves. Um, and so make sure you're familiar with all the ins and outs of the program and what's going on with the Department of Ed's um, guidance guidance on those regulations. Something to keep in mind too, is that if you um, finish school and then perhaps you wanna go back to school for something else, um, that's your loans are tracked differently. Mm-hmm. So if um, you start from when you started that program, so I know mine, I don't know if yours was the same Kia, like mine was my bachelor's and then my specialist degree right after that. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was working for a period of time for some years and then went back to school for my PhD. So those PhD loans are on a completely separate loan forgiveness program. So my other ones have been forgiven. However, if I want to wait another 10 years and make payments <laughs> on those, I could as well. Um, but yeah, it, it does run whenever you do it, when you space time in between. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. You got to watch out for things that can pause it and like forbearances. Again, yes. sometimes you need to take, you know, your life circumstances are what they are. But if at all possible, if you can manage it, if you're on these forgiveness programs, you want to stay off of forbearance because that's going to add to your clock yep. um, anytime you're in these pauses or forbearances. So that's another thing to keep in mind. And again, you know, sometimes life circumstances, you got to do what you got to do. You know, it's, it's your your situation. But remember the ramifications of that as well is that those those pauses will not count as part of your your time. Something to keep in mind too, when you certify your payments or you certify with your district Mm -hmm. is just let them know the scoop too. So if you're switching from a district to a district, I learned this the hard way. Um, The dates in which they put your employment, they'll probably end if you leave a district uh, at the end of the school year, maybe June, and then you start another school district in August. That's when they're going to end it and they're going to start your new one. So you lose like a month, a month and a half, maybe two months. Of qualifying so if you switch districts quite frequently <laughs> those mm-hmm. are chunks that are taken out that you know again qualifying payments so um something to keep in mind too is just sometimes talking to the district and being like hey look we really work we get paid year to year you know um and t- just talking with them 
Um, but then sometimes you just kind of, that's when you ended and that's when you started a new one. So it's just something to be aware of that it might take you a little bit longer than what you think of 10 actual years. Yeah. I, I had that same thing happen when I, I moved one job and I, and like I said, I talked to him and we kind of finagled like an exit date that would, no, no, no like, 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 it just like, there were, that was part of my negotiation. Like when yeah. will my contract officially and when is my official yes, exactly. date? And just doing that in a way that like captures as many qualifying payments yep. as possible. Um, and then same thing with the place I started and I did lose, I think a month in that process, but had I just blindly like not been talking to him be like, here's my resignation letter. And like, I'm starting the new place. I could have lost two or three or four months. Um, just be mindful of that. And then, like you said, Jen, it's hard because, you know, it's still qualifying payments and they have to look at that. I I sent in, I don't know how many letters I have. There's a payment from like August of 2012 that is listed as not qualifying. No one can explain to me why. Right. I have no one. There's no one. Like I'm just like, I, I, okay. Like this random payment in no. the middle. Because the payment, the, Mine does it, the September the and the way. July payments of the same year, those qualified. But for the August one, they're like, nah. And I'm like, right. I, okay. <laughs> I had the same thing and I followed up with them too. I was like, yeah. this does not make any sense. It's with the same <laughs> employer that didn't need the rest of them. Yeah. And yeah. I actually made um, 132 payments <laughs> after they finally like when that waiver like Ashley saying finally came in they were like mm-hmm. oh wait you've been doing this for a while and I started when it first started same time you did Kia <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah during that time right after it came on I'm like what do you mean I know I've been paying so mm-hmm. I also was very persistent and I emailed them probably once a week I said mm-hmm. I've I've made my qualifying payments and then I would just copy and paste that into the same response every week <laughs> Well, but no, I that's think really that's funny. key, Jen. I mean, and that's what I, you know, like we've said, it's a bureaucracy. It's a government. You Persistence will pay off. You have to mm-hmm. stay on top of it because I know yeah. multiple people yeah. who have been told different things. Like you pick the phone up and just like, I don't know, say you call some other government agency that you might want to call as a school district employee in our state. Mm-hmm. And depending on who- Or like Time phone, Warner Cable. For example, yeah, and so depends on whoever answers the phone that day, you're going to get a different answer, you know. And so I know persistence is the key. Document, 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 um, as well is also a helpful tip. Yeah, I would say that. Like every, I have a copy of like every pay stub I've ever gotten, like as part of this. But and that I, what I do is obsessive. I'll admit. But like, if you submit an application. Scan and save a copy for yourself. Like you're oh, like, yes. I, here's my oh, every, time, yes. every time you send in an employer certification, every time you send in a correspondence request, like save every time they email you a notice, every time you get a payment verification for your monthly payments, like save all of that just in a big old folder called public service loan forgiveness. Because I had they were like, What about do you have this record? And I'm like, Yeah, I do. I got all these records. I got what rec- I got all the receipts. You tell me what receipt you want. <laughs> I got it. Um, and then the last kind of tip I would give for people um, as a Hail Mary is is your your congressman. I know it sounds stupid, but call your congressman. Um, but, you know, they are a member of the United States government. They work in a different uh, branch, but, you know, they have contacts, obviously, in the executive branch in the Department of Education. They have people that can look in this to this for you. I'm very fortunate. My congressman has a form on his website that says, do you need help with a federal agency? like fill out this form and get it. And there's a drop down menu. And I chose department of ed. And when I chose that, there was a series of options and someone from his office called me like That's on awesome. the phone, like called to talk to me. And then like, I got a letter from the department of ed saying, we received an inquiry on your behalf. Here's an update. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so if you are finding you're really having a difficult time with them, 
you know, use your your representatives. That's that's part of what they're there for is to to represent you and and you know be there, be your representative on uh, federal matters. And this is a federal issue. And so you know, and obviously that's going to vary based on the congressman. But in my case, it was actually very helpful. I got an, an update. Um, you know, it's probably speedier than I had been ex- would have been expected had I been just a a mere random citizen. Awesome, awesome. So. That was awesome, guys. Thank you for including that in all this because I'm not there yet. I just checked. I got got a little bit to go. So <laughs> <laughs> it's there a big a day when you get out of the triple digits. Like when you get one back and you're like 96 to go, and you're like, yeah. Like, mine was like a 62 so was, yeah as you guys are talking i'm like let me just go ahead and check real quick how many more i yeah. got and I, I will say it goes I, I, and my wife when i were talking about this because she would you know we would always talk and like oh and so it's whenever i'd have a bad day I'd joke i'm like january 2021 like that was <laughs> that was the line like, that's that the was, goal you know, and then like one day like i said it like and it was like november of 2020 and she was that's like true. you know that used to she was like that used to sound so far away and it was yeah. um, but then you know you just keep at it i've noticed the years go by pretty quick in a school so mm-hmm. the days go by pretty fast. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, do you guys have anything else to say on any of these? This has been one of the, I think, one of the most informative episodes of things that are not necessarily always school psych related, but they're tangential. So, I think this has been pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, but I, I think you know, we're just, I think, just in general category of like helping people out, you know, getting yeah. the title change in place, people understanding what your job is, you saving some money on your student loans. Look at you know, here's the great, great opportunities yeah. for the LSPS SPs of the yes. state of texas yeah and the ncsps don't forget them too they're part <laughs> of it too <laughs> yeah. well for baker ashley and kia i'm chris ponce and i do want to thank ashley for joining us yet again um it is we'll just every other month i guess we'll just do it <laughs> yeah um and she's gonna, remember- she's gonna get like a punch card and be like i need my free my jacket i've i've, I've had 10 visits now i, I need my, my jacket free. and remember to follow all of our official task facebook and instagram accounts at txasp where you can get all the up-to-date info on what is happening in our field and what the board is currently up to you can also email us at podcast at txasp.org if you have any questions you want us to answer um and if you want us to keep producing content remember to give us likes share us with your friends leave us a review five stars preferably and remember at the end of the day make your payments (laughs) <laughs> which is a good choice which is a good choice which is always a good choice <laughs>